When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So come up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, safe to say this will be played at the uh, Super Bowl halftime show coming up in uh, February. We don't know who's going to be in that Super Bowl right now, but Usher will be performing. Mm-hmm. This is probably his best club jam right here. This is the one. That, this is the one that will get the crowd hype. Yeah. Want to get people on their feet, the old people, the olds, because I don't know if the young people will even be that hype about the song. They don't know it. This is my era. This one, yeah. like, it's my. Oh, yeah. I was probably like knows middle school. school. Yeah, yeah exactly. Your middle school dances. They were probably playing this yeah, song. Big time. Yeah, no, this is this is definitely the one. This is Lil John and Luda. Luda's in this too, right? Yes, Chris, Lil John and Luda. Yeah, this is the, this is definitely the banger. So I don't know when they're gonna play this one, but this is the one he'll probably bring Luda. I don't know. Can he bring Lil John? How old is Lil John? I haven't seen Lil John in forever. He well, basically kind of disappeared. Uh, so I remember Lil' Jones used to have the dreads and the glasses. And I'll be talking about 15 years later. How's he look now? He got gray dreads? Remember when Lil' John went on Celebrity Apprentice? <laughs> and he like he got like Hold second. On. Can I just tell you this? Because I know <laughs> and I, I'm going to, you know, man card hand it over. Lil' John has a show on HGTV. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, that's, that's where he is. He's still okay. going. Okay. Yeah, but he's not not. He, my point, yeah, that's a different demo he's reaching now. And she right. He well, no, he, he's got this this designer he works with, and they go into people's houses, and he does a room for them. Like he makes their room all flashy and hip and cool, and like he does the redos. He's like a you know. Yeah. Oh, so it's a basic. I guess, like, he, guess he's really into home renovation and uh, you know getting it popping. He's leaning into his inner ice cube. Yeah. Well, no, all rappers have to cross over, and you have to, at one point when you cross over, because you can't do rap forever, right? Rap, rapping is like stripping, like being a stripper. You can't be a 45-year-old stripper, and it's really tough to be a 45, 50-year-old rapper. At that point, you need to go into acting or transition into something else. And Lil John's at that age where you got to start transitioning your brand into something else. Ice Cube did it. Ice-T did it. Ice-T is Detective Tutuola. Right? Uh, when he once made a, a show called Cop Killers, and now he's a detective Tutuola. All right? And uh, Ice Cube was once in NWA, and now he's on family friendly movies. So, Lil John, it doesn't shock me. Snoop Dogg once, you know, was on trial for murder, and now does shows with Martha Stewart. You got to cross over at one point. You got to be main. You got to go mainstream. And that's Lil John's way of going mainstream. Good for him. I didn't know. See, and he knows because he watches it. So, good for him. No, my wife watches it. <laughs> it's on in my house. And well, I'm like, what the hell? Is- yeah, the, the show is called Lil John Wants to Do What? What? And yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, they, <laughs> does he do that? Okay. Does he, does does he still do that? Does he still yell and scream on the show? Like, yeah, he says, what? <laughs> okay. That'd be really cool if he does that. Yeah, he partners with a, uh, a, a an attractive designer named Antrika or Antria, and okay. they they do homes and rooms. And I saw him do one like one big basement of someone, and it's got like strobe lights. Does he have good style, or is it all just really? Extra, like it's all. It's a, it's, a, it's over the top. Okay, that's okay. That makes sense then. 
But somehow it comes off, I guess, is what they say. Well, it's working. You said, I mean, how long is oh, the show I think it was just one season. I don't know if it's got uh, picked okay. up for a second. But, yes, right. he's branching out, crossing over. What, are the, cross what, over man. what do the strippers do when they cross over? They just I think they're, hook, they're hook, either hook in nursing. Daddy? Yeah, they're either like in nursing school or they're like in some type of school. Real to, estate? Yeah, they're, they're tra- <laughs> exactly. A lot of in real estate. They're trying to transition. Yeah, what is that? Motherhood. Oh, yeah, they're trying to hook a sugar yeah. daddy. But I would say, like, I think the number that I used to raise, that's in 15% of strippers are married. Like, period. Like, it's just a hard business to be in and be married as sure, a stripper. You think? You've got to be a certain type of guy to yes. send your wife off to work every night like, or day, depending on the quality of the stripper. But, See you later. Have a good night, honey. <laughs> that's a good point, too, the quality. Did you pack your lunch? If she's stripping during a day, what do you say, Ty? I, she, she's not the best? Yeah, not- you're probably going there for lunch, too. So. <laughs> See you at lunch, baby. <laughs> it's better than being in the, uh, the adult good. entertainment industry. You know what I'm saying? It's better than the- oh yeah. Well, no. Now you can do OnlyFans. If I if my wife was a stripper, I'd encourage her to do OnlyFans now. That way we can like take you know take ownership at least of the revenue streams and, and not leave the house, house. and not leave the house and put a mask on. The strip club's not public. Like you can't bring you can't record in the strip club. I know, so but the people least- go to strip clubs and you you remember the stripper you liked. You know her face. Yeah, but that's better than <laughs> I don't want to see my wife in there. Having your wife H-E-B. naked on, <laughs> exactly. on the internet for forever. That is true. That's a good point. But I said, wear a like mask. Your kids, your kids aren't going to, I guess, yeah. That's why I said wear a mask. You got to wear a mask. I, I would, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all with OnlyFans. I, me and my wife might do it one day if we go broke enough. But like I said we would both wear a mask and I would cover up the tattoos that I have so people wouldn't know that was me. You know what I mean? I'd have to cover up my entire brand, my entire back. Oh, yeah. Much. You would, yeah, people would. shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of stuff you got to cover I up. I have uh, been told a story personally of a buddy who ran into uh, that person at <gasps> his son's. Um, no. Middle school football game. <gasps> what an OnlyFans person? No, stripper. A stripper. Ooh. Oh, oh, she was a mom. Mom. <gasps> Great. Nice. Oh, hot yeah, mom yeah, too. Oh, and that's she, fantastic. And he said she kind of looked at me, and I looked at her, and we had to pretend <laughs> like we don't. <laughs> hey, you don't know what you don't tell <laughs> anybody why you know me and how you know me, and I won't tell anybody how I know you. There you go. We'll both play dumb we'll right now. Both, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is great. Oh, man. And hold up. So this, was it a mom at the school that, or not? Was, yeah, kid played kids kid played on the same team. the same team? Yeah. Oh, man. There you go. She Was she the hottest mom anyway? Was she a daytime uh, or nighttime stripper? Uh, that, I didn't exactly, get that the far. Was she the hottest mom at least? I think she, she's attractive, but she okay. was wearing, you know, clothes and everything. So. <laughs> Makes a way more. Well, she was probably nearing retirement at that point. Uh, uh, you might we're be talking right. middle school, so they're like twelve. Uh, she, do, I don't think yeah. she was that old. Yeah, because I guess she could. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're twelve, uh, thirteen, you're approaching forty as a stripper, you definitely have to transition. Like that's definitely when you got. I, I gotta get because you, you know it's yeah things are probably starting to unless you're in great amazing shape, which you might be, but your your competition are all twenty and eighteen to nineteen. <laughs> so you, comparing your forty-year-old to the twenty to nineteen-year-old body is going to be tough. I'm just saying, it's tough. Have you ever seen Tom Brady? Yeah. <laughs> it's possible, damn it. Have you seen Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, yeah baby. <laughs> he was a little tighter. Yeah, you, you like Tom Brady. Don't, need, don't hydrate yourself. Don't need any nightshades. Don't need any food that oh, makes you. He uh, doesn't eat fried food. Wow. No, no fried br- food. Th- does Brady change his diet now that he's done? No, he said no. 
He did? He said no? No, he said, it's my. this is my asset. I'm going to continue to, why would I? I've been doing it for 20 plus years and, and I'm looking great, feeling great. So yeah, he's going to stay on. Man. He, little, he, may, he, may, he may cheat a little bit. Like we saw, remember when they won the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers and he was hammered? Oh yeah, yeah. He probably had some. <laughs> he or carried he, off the boat. Yeah, when he almost threw the Super Bowl trophy in the river. Well, listen, that's, 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 how, how, how much alcohol does it take to get Not him much. hammered? Couple shots, he has he no tolerance at all. <laughs> right. His body's like, whoa. Exactly. What are we doing here? Have one margarita and he's like plastered. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to get into some Texas football coming up, Rod. We'll also talk uh, what went on from the college football weekend, the, the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the winners and losers. But I was interested in this. Our, our friend, uh, our man C.J. Vogel over there with the uh, football brainiac. Football. He does a great job. Worth well, the follow. I'm, I'm reading a great follow. at C.J. Vogel uh, underscore TFB. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the uh, deep dive on this, this game with Baylor and noted that true freshman Anthony Hill, Derek Williams, and Malik Muhammad were among all among the top five snap getters on defense against Baylor. Yeah. Uh, I think that was obviously in nature to the blowout of the game. But at the same time, uh, you look up and Jalen Catalan, so far this year, has only played 37% of the Texas defensive snaps. Yeah, that's, that's very okay. much intentional, right? Deliberate. Yes. They're trying to keep him healthy, yes. A, but so with Kansas coming in, and we know that they are a dynamic offense, right? Mm-hmm. They can be had defensively, but I think even their defense has improved. At 4-0, we'll learn more, a lot more about Kansas. But we keep it to Texas. The next two weeks, before your bye week, you're playing maybe the two best offenses you'll see in the Big mm-hmm. 12 Conference. Yep. How do you think the snaps get distributed once you get to those kind of games, right? I mean, is it is it are they trying to get these young guys reps because they, they think they're going to need them in these games? Or is this about trying to keep guys healthy who you are going to play? the? Because I don't know that you're going to rotate as much once you get to the Cotton Bowl, uh, maybe. Yeah. But, but what's your I, thought on that? Yeah, I, I would have to go back and look at the Bama game and see some of those rotations in the Bama okay. game. I think that'll give you probably a little bit sure. more clarity about it, it, what the intentions are of the coaches uh, when it, in terms of rotating snaps in a really competitive game because uh, Baylor just wasn't that competitive. Uh, but th- listen, they want to rotate these safeties, and they have a lot of trust in these safeties to rotate these guys. And I remember I told you that <clears throat> based on pro football focus numbers, they have Derek Williams with the most uh, snaps at safety out of any of that group in that Baylor game. Now, like you said, it could have been by design well, they got over the, the blowout. top twice. Yeah, because of the blowouts. But I will say this, though. I, I think in the, in the Kansas game, you do shorten those rotations a little bit. Looking at Jalen Catalan's snap rates, it's pretty obvious. The coaches, with his history, his injury history, um, they want to make sure that he's durable enough to last the entire season. So they're trying to keep him on a pitch count, if you will, of sorts. Uh, that will increase, and I'm with you. I think when you get into these really competitive games, Texas in-conference play going down to the fourth quarter, you're going to want the, your best players in there who are going to give you the best chance to win. I'll throw this out there, though, because I, I saw this in the Baylor game. It happened early on. Baylor went a lot of heavier sets, heavier personnel in that game. Uh, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, sometimes uh, two backs. What they were trying to do was you know run the football effectively. Texas had their defensive ends really wide, mm-hmm. um, and that was to cut off the wide zone because that's Baylor's number one running scheme. It was the wide outside zone. So Texas kept their defensive ends. Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell really wide. David Randall even remarked that he thought, oh, that means we're going to be able to run the ball up the gut. So I think they wanted to go a lot of heavier sets so they could play power, power football and run the ball in between the tackles. Problem is, Texas' best players are arguably in their interior D tackles. Tavante <laughs> yeah. Sweat, Pirate Murphy, Alfred Collins, those guys are monsters. So basically, Baylor could not run the football outside. They couldn't run it inside either. But one thing they did show me was that Texas adapted to their heavier sets by taking Jade Barron off the field. 
which, you know, I'm not going to question PK because he's doing an amazing job right now. But I think that's a mistake. Jade Barrett's one of your top three best players on defense. He's one of your best tacklers in the open field. If teams are, are, are targeting Ryan Watts, which Baylor did, which Wyoming did, and they are targeting guys like Jaron Thompson, and they're targeting Taft, which Baylor did as well. And we saw Wyoming, they targeted uh, Jaron Thompson until he ended up making a play and jumping one of those out routes. If that's going to happen, and it's going to happen again, I guarantee because Kansas is looking at that saying, we can go after Watts and we can go after some of these safeties depending on when they're rotating those guys. I would put Jade Barron at nickel. Sorry, I would take him from nickel and put him at corner of safety when you're facing heavier personnel groupings and you want to take him off the field. He's one of your best, if not your best player in the secondary, one of your best players on defense. That's an adjustment that I would make, and that way teams are trying to attack Ryan Watts in that situation or attack one of your safeties in that situation to isolate and manipulate one-on-one matchups. They won't have that opportunity because well, Barron will be one of those options. And he's that kind of player. And, and he's, he's so He's good. great at the star, but yeah. he can slide to one of the safeties and, and oh. be a, a heads-up player. And that's uh, and that look, that's the question. And I'm sure Sark will get asked it, or I'm assuming Sark will get asked it today at his, at his weekly news conference at 11 o'clock in about 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes Sark gets there at about 11:20. Sometimes 11:25. Take your time today, Sark. You're good. <laughs> Nobody, you're good. take your time. You're yeah. good. But you know, is it okay? We've given these veteran guys their chance, and they're getting beat here. We may have to make a change to some younger guys, but we'll see. But you know, Jalen Catalan only playing 37 percent of the snaps. That's a pitch count. But then do you weaponize him and use him a lot more against Kansas, against mm-hmm. Oklahoma, because yeah. now here you are and he's healthy? I think so. And how about this, to your point about the interior of that D-line against uh, Baylor? P- pro football focus grades, Tavondre Sweat, 89.7, almost 90 <laughs> grade. Byron Murphy, 81.9, and Jalen Ford, 85.4. Wow, Those, that's the middle of your defense. That, that's your exactly. That's your heart and soul. That's the soul of. And they're your all defense. grading out at an all pro level. I mean, yeah. that's what that means. Yeah, it's it really is impressive what they did versus uh, Baylor. And I, and like I said this is this next two weeks, next two games for Texas, Kansas, and Oklahoma. I believe are going to be the two best, the two biggest tests offensively of the season that they've had so far. Obviously, because I don't think Alabama had much of an offensive identity. They had a lot of talent, but there was no offensive identity or continuity with that offense. Kansas is the opposite. They have a tons of identity and continuity within that offense and and problems that the defense needs to solve. But then Oklahoma after that, man, Dylan Gabriel, remember he wasn't available last year. And remember last year for Texas, when they played Kansas, it was Jalen Daniels' first game back. He was a Heisman front runner before he got hurt, and then his first game back was Texas, so he looked a little out of sorts and discombobulated. No dealing Gabriel for Oklahoma. That's why they got blown out. You get blown out in that Texas OU game, trust me, as somebody who got blown out in that game, you don't forget about it. You think about it the entire offseason, the entire spring uh, football season, the entire trading camp until you get back to that game, and that's what Oklahoma's doing. So it's been circle for them. But, uh, but Kansas, think of Kansas looking at Texas the way Texas looked at Bama. That if you can pull off that upset, oh, you can shock the world and become the talk of college football. And they've done it once, and Jalen Daniels already got a win against Texas on his resume. Trust me, there will be some concepts that they break out. They've been saving for Texas. I think Just that's for true. the Longhorns. I think that's true. Can I hear Sark based on that defensive performance by those three guys in the middle? And Sark was asked about the, uh, the transformation of this defense from a, a, a big problem year one to strength of the team in year three. Here's Sark. Well, I, I just I think we're pretty good, you know. Um, you know, it's been three years in the making of, you know, putting a putting a staff together, putting a scheme together, making adjustments to that scheme from year one to year two, now year two to year three, 
I think we've added depth to that to that roster on the defensive side of the ball uh, on all three levels at the at the D line at the linebacker and then in the secondary. Um, I think we have really good veteran leadership on defense um, from front to back. Um, and then now what, what comes with that is confidence. You know, our offense and defense, we, we do a lot of good on good. And they have to defend us, too, every day in practice and throughout training camp. And, I, you know, there probably wasn't many days when I went into a press conference in training camp and I didn't say our defense had a really good day today, that our front had a really good day today. So um, they're pretty good, and I think we can be better. That's the beauty of it. You know, we gave up a couple deep balls tonight that, that we knew was, was a point of emphasis, so we, we got to get that cleaned up. Uh, but I, I did love their resiliency, uh, especially in the low red and getting those stops tonight. Yeah, red zone D was great. And if you can't work the middle of the field or run the ball once you get inside the 10-yard lines, as the Cowboys found out yesterday, it gets difficult. Because yep. uh, they can you know, they can stop you with their down four, and, and you have to throw into seven-man coverages in the compressed end zone. That becomes a challenge, and uh, Baylor was unable to do it. Texas hardly got to the red zone. All their scores were touchdowns from explosive. How about even mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers taking off? How about his scamper? Yeah. He showed some some jets in that play. Well, I love that Quinn Ewers is running now. It's pretty obvious that he's more comfortable with his body. And it sounds a weird conversation there, but because remember he, he lost like fifteen pounds. Lost like fifteen pounds, got in really good shape. Uh we heard from Coach Dodge that actually he did run track recreationally um when he was at uh at South Lake. And he I, I think he's showing this year that he's willing to take the open lane if the defense is going to give it to him. Gotcha. He's not trying to run, but if they're going to just give him green grass. Yeah. I think Sark told him, dude, take the green grass. Now, we don't want you running all the time, but they're going to give you a wide open lane and give you eight yards. Take the eight yards. And he's doing that more and more. He's rushed for, I think, a, a rushing touchdown in four of the last six games now. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. No, no doubt. And, yeah. uh, you know, this one was from distance oh, because yeah, uh, nice Baylor, one. and then he beat him to the. Uh, to the end zone, and yeah, beat him that, to the that, corner. He beat a, a corner. A better player to the corner too. And that's on the that's on tape now, right? Mm-hmm. So Kansas, Oklahoma. You, I, I'm not gonna say you're gonna put a spy on him, but you have to uh, think about it. All right, more on this, including the offensive player for the Longhorns who graded out like an All Pro player in the NFL. If you were doing the pro football grades, two of them actually uh, off that Texas offense. We'll tell you who that was. I want to tell you about better help. You know, BetterHelp is such a great thing for us busy guys, right? You know, as guys and fathers and husbands, you know, we're kind of taught to just carry the load and be there for our everybody, our kids and our, our, our families and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, then, then you try to fall asleep at night and your brain won't stop. Then you're thinking about what's going on and um, you know, who's gonna, who are you going to talk to when, when you get to those points where you maybe need a little help. Better pl- better help gives you that place so you can get out of your negative thoughts, out of those cycles, uh, deal with your mental men- mental uh, health and emotional peace. Better help is a team of online professionals. This is the key, guys. You don't have to go anywhere, set appointments anywhere uh, out of the house. You can just do it from your office, close the door, do it from home. Uh, when you're looking for some quiet time, it's a team of online professionals specializing in helping us, us guys, to understand the unique struggles we face on a daily basis. And then uh, sometimes we struggle reaching out for those things. But it is the stronger thing to do. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just go to their website, fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, and if that one's not working for you, you can switch therapists anytime with no additional charges. Uh, just call them or go to the website. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. It's betterhelp.com slash the horn. If you type in that slash in the horn, you'll get 10% off your first month just to get the ball rolling. Let, uh, let, let BetterHelp be your map. Visit betterhelp.com slash the horn. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L com slash the horn. All right, Rod, uh, on the offensive side for Texas, the uh, high grades. Quinn Ewers had a 77, which is really strong. Yeah. 
Um, had a great game. Jatavion Sanders, eighty nine point six from PFF. I, I I said it before the season started that I believe that J, JT Sanders would leave Texas as the most statistically prolific tight end in Texas football history. He was close to a lot of those records last season, and I think after this season, he's already got two 100-yard receiving games so far this year, the first four. By the way, he's the only Texas tight end in the history of the program to have two 100-yard receiving games. And I also believe he's the most athletically gifted tight end that Sark's ever had in his offense as a play caller. You combine all those things and I think now he may be closing the gap on Brock Bowers. I think Brock Bowers is still the best tight end in the country. But I think people believe there was a Grand Canyon-sized gap between Brock Bowers and whoever was the second best tight end in the country. People who have seen JT Sanders now are saying, well, he's definitely the second best tight end in the country. And that is, there's not a huge gap between he and Brock Bowers. Yeah, uh, He's that good. And we know he's a five-star talent. And we, you know, we saw in high school him making those one-handed grabs. How about the Ooh, one-handed catch oh. down the seam? And then rumbling. It'll be on his NFL draft highlight reel. Guarantee you. Dun, 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 yeah, yeah. Todd McVeigh, Todd McShay, and Mel Kuyper break down Jatavion Sanders out of Texas. Earlier, earlier in that uh, in that series, he like hurdled a guy or earlier in the. Oh yeah, they had like a uh, down the right sidelines. I want to say that was almost like a modern triple option play. Was it not with Quinn? Yeah. It was like the R, they fade the RPO inside, and then I believe it's JT coming. He's faking a cross block and then runs to the flat and he throw it right to him. And I want to say a defender almost kind of got a hand in there and he got it. And now that was a leapfrog. That was a that was a that was a Athletic really nicely scheme play, man. That was Sark, Sark called a good game. You he mentioned was in his it. back. He was in his back. Yep. We'll go behind the burn orange curtain coming up. The other guy with a real high grade was Jonathan Brooks, who continues to emerge as RB1 for Texas. Ooh. Uh, he was 83.5. That's and, his spot, uh, man. He's taking it. You don't want to give it up. And as I say, I love it. You know, CJ Baxter, he played behind Roshan and Bijan. Bijan, a five-star player. Then they recruit CJ Baxter right over top of him and he didn't sulk about it, and then when CJ got hurt, uh, he was you know he seized the opportunity, and he's really playing well. He he had a one handed catch on that uh, screen yes, play. Yes, he did. And that then, was a nice one. And he showed the burst. He had that long touchdown early. Uh, he's really taking that opportunity, and uh, you know this is going to be a challenge for CJ Baxter because again in this game he left limping off the field, and it was almost like the coaches were like, "Hey man, are you hurt? Or are you injured? Will you go back in there and tough this thing out?" I mean that's a thing a young player has to learn. It is, Rod. It is no doubt because if you're hurt, that means you can go. I mean, you know, because that means football pain and pain tolerance, that's a part of the game, learning how to deal with that. You're injured, that means you're hurting your team while you're out there not helping your team. That means the guy behind you can give a better effort and probably can execute better because of your ailment or because of your injury. That's the difference. You got to figure that out. I remember as a player thinking and telling Coach Aquina, and I remember I got hurt in the, it was the Oklahoma game actually. Uh, C. Red came in and friendly fire hit my knee. We were trying to yeah. make a tackle, uh, and they came in and they put like a sleeve on my knee. And coach, you know, coach was like, "Hey, think you can go?" And I was like, uh, "I'm definitely going." And they were like, "You hurt or you injured?" That always a question. You hurt or you injured? I was like, "I'm just hurt. I'm good. I'm good. I ain't injured." The guy behind me ain't gonna do a better job than me. I assure you of that. Yeah. So that's the difference. And I guess maybe he's injured because the guy behind him is doing a better job. <laughs> he I don't know. You yeah. don't want to give up your spot though, because sometimes you give up your spot, well, you don't get it back. Jonathan Brooks is making that case yeah. that uh, hey, get it back, closing man. out that Alabama game on the ground, right? When CJ was unavailable, and then this game, obviously the Wyoming game was all him, mm-hmm. and uh, now getting almost an eighty-four grade from Pro Football he, Focus. Yeah, I, I, right now I think you would have to start him going forward, right? You can't. I think so. Yeah, he's the guy. It's his spot. Well, that's what you want, right? I mean, go I mean, earn we, it. We, we we knew this Texas program would be, you know. 
turn the corner fully and whether one of the people say back when you've got eight, ten guys playing at all conference levels. And right now the Longhorns have eight, ten guys playing all conference football, some playing at an all American level. Yeah, right. And I that's agree. that's when you have turned the corner. You've got uh, Jalen Ford playing at all American level. You've got Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, all American level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've Jade got Barron's playing pretty Jade good. Barron yeah. in that category. On on offense, you've got uh you know, Kelvin Banks still out there at left tackle. J.T. Sanders is playing mm-hmm. to that level, as you just documented, in yep. uh, X-Man. Yep. Uh, you know, Quinn Ewers playing all Big 12 level, for sure. I think he is, and I think if he just gets more consistent, <laughs> he'll be an All-American level. Yeah. If we've seen two All-American performances from him this year, that's the ba- Bama game and this Baylor game. If he just gets consistent, you see more and more performances like that. Oh, man, I think he'll be in a conversation to be somebody's All-American. And I did watch uh, Oklahoma closely this week <laughs> in their battle with Cincinnati. It was a defensive game. They're okay. They're better. But they're not nearly as explosive as Texas is offensively. They're, you know, and Cincinnati played a pretty good brand of defense. That game would have been a lot closer if Cincinnati were better in the red zone. But you also mm-hmm. have to give Bama's defense, red zone defense credit. I would give Oklahoma more credit for that game, Ron, if the fact that the week before when Cincinnati lost to Miami of Ohio on that same field, they also had red zone deficiencies. They had to settle for a bunch of field goals. They ended okay. up getting upset in that game. So they've got red zone offensive problems with Emory Jones, their quarterback. Oklahoma, they're better. They're more sound on defense, without a doubt, and yeah. faster on defense. But right. you know, I, I you know, I, everybody's gonna have a hard time with Texas trying to corral all these these weapons on offense. And the way defense is playing, uh, it makes it really tough. Makes them a, a real challenge. We'll come back when we do. We'll do more Texas behind the burn orange curtain. Also, the good, the bad, and the un, un, uh, unexplainable in college football and pro football over the weekend. How did Notre Dame end up not once but twice with 10 men on the field in the two most important plays of a football game? And we'll hear Marcus Freeman's explanation for it. Coming back on Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All my friends, can I play this for you because uh, watching the football of the weekend, you know, we play a, we have a classic soundbite that we've played for years and years. That's a dang coaching mistake, but I wanted to go back and revisit from the archive the whole thing because oh. this is Michigan State coach John L. Smith, <laughs> and he's running off the field, he's pissed. <laughs> Jack Aroot, the legendary Jack Aroot, one of the original great sideline reporters, was trying to get up in his face and figure out what the heck just happened at the end of the half that they didn't handle well. Here we go. This is, uh, this is Jack Aroot with John L. Smith. Let's go to Jack. As you watch John L. Cannot believe what is happening. Let's go to Jack. His coach, obviously, a miscalculation there, and you're upset. Tell yeah, me about it. Yeah, very upset. We should have been in a ball game with fast field goal. The coach had sent him in. We shouldn't have sent him in. That's a dang coaching mistake. That the kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. Don't well, have to say any more than that, Brent. No, you certainly don't, Jack. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, and the coaches are scoring it up. I yeah. love it. Yeah, like it Josh happens. McDaniel kicking a field goal down eight points. Come on, man. What Come are we on. doing? Come on. Uh, gosh, obviously the biggest being Marcus Freeman and uh, his Notre Dame team with a chance to pull a the coaches pull a win. Are screwing it up. Ten guys on the field. And can we hear Marcus Freeman twice? after the game twice? So there were two two plays. It was more about the clock than the downs at this point. And Ohio mm. State's trying to punch it in down fourteen to ten. Notre Dame has the lead. Need the touchdown. Field goal does you no good. So you know they're going for it. They the the t- previous play they had ten men on the field, but they threw the ball. Kyle McCord tried to throw it over to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the flat, mm. and it was incomplete. 
Well, uh, so here we go. So, okay, well, let's hear Marcus Freeman here. Because mm-hmm. here's where he confirms that they knew after that play, the the, the play before that did, was it went incomplete, that they didn't have 10. And here's the question with uh, with the media asking Marcus Freeman after Ohio State scored the game-winning touchdown. Here's what he said. Marcus, the film shows that on that last play, there were only 10 people on the field. Just curious what happened. Yeah, we were trying to get a fourth D lineman on the field, and I told him just stay off because we can't we can't afford a penalty. I didn't have any timeouts, right? So we couldn't afford a penalty there. Um, you know, and yeah, it's, it's on us. It's got to be better. Yeah. Okay. He needs to be better. Yeah, that's uh, that's a challenge for him. Either he, first of all, either his staff and him are disorganized, right? That's why in that moment, a crucial moment of the game, probably the most important moment of the game, you only had 10 players out there. And then if indeed he, like you talked about, he didn't want to take the penalty because he thought a penalty would be so punitive, I guess, essentially that it would hurt their chances of stopping Ohio State on the goal line. But you're on the one, so the penalty is only going to move you up half a yard. Half a yard in that situation, I mean, the difference is negligible. I mean, the 11th man being on the field, way more important than that half a yard. Uh, So that was also a dang coaching mistake by him. And then you point out also that there was a, a an opportunity after the first play where they had 10 men on the field where they could have substituted because Ryan Day made a mistake, yeah. Day and coaching mistake, because he substituted giving Notre Dame the option to sub and correct and remedy the issue. They did not take the opportunity to do so. So Ohio State still ended up winning by running right where they uh, they were lacking, right where the void was, where they had 10 players, which was right over that right defensive end spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say that's a, it's a fireable offense for somebody. I don't know who needs to be fired, but that's one of those that, that, that just cost you the biggest game of your season, potentially. Yep. And, you know, someone's got to know that. And, you know, Bucky used to call that the dumbass coach. Somebody's got to like say, hey, hey. Mm-hmm. Coach, coach, stop for one second. Take a breath. Take a breath. These things happen fast. I get that. You've been on the sidelines for these things, Rod, at every level. It happens quick. you got to make quick decisions. But that's why you have all these staff and, and yep. advisors saying, hey, coach, 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 coach. They just substituted. They just substituted. <laughs> get the guy on the field, yep. uh, whoever it is. So that's what I don't know. Did they not know that? Because, you know, I know that's what he said immediately. Yeah, we knew. But I, they knew. But i got to think if you knew, that's not what you would have done. Uh, and okay, so I, is it worse to admit that we didn't notice? That's a problem. Exactly. See, I think he's going with kind of the, <laughs> the best of the worst options, which is you can't say you didn't know because as a coach, that is fireable. I didn't even know it was going on. The internet told me, okay, now nah, you need to be fired. <laughs> well, no one on the team? Nobody, no coach, the, the captain nobody, of the no defense advisor, and middle yeah, linebacker said, hey, coach, we need another player. We that need means another your, player. The football IQ is real low and the coach's IQ is real low. You don't want that. So if he, let's say he did know, he did know, like he said. Then you still got to blame him for the, the the lack of initiative, because I'm with you. I think you just take the penalty. So you could argue that his calculation was off, was a miscalculation, because you should have taken the penalty. But if you didn't take the penalty, then you could argue he didn't know the rules. To your point, if he knew the rules, then when they actually make a change in uh, personnel, you can make a change, which they did not. So there are like three different, I don't know, miscalculations. Dane coaching mistakes that you can blame directly on Marcus Freeman and his staff well, at that and, time. And our man DeFry says, no way he knew, because <laughs> if you knew, you would have been waiting for that substitution to correct the problem. I agree. And at the, at the worst case, 
The last thing you do is let them run a play and run it right over the empty void in your defensive line. Yeah, I mean, take the penalty. Take take the penalty. Jump off sides. Day. Yeah. Jump off sides. Right. Do something. Do it's at the one-yard line. It's going to give them a half a yard, you know, half the distance to the goal line. Uh, you chose the worst of the bad ideas, right? Uh, yeah, and you, you could have rectified it. <laughs> and, you know, that's – gosh, and I'm watching because I was hosting the Inside Texas on Texas Football Watch mm. With Us broadcast, which we're – Growing like crazy. It's a lot of fun. But that Texas game was well in hand at that point, right? Texas game's a blowout in the fourth quarter. So we're talking about the game, but I'm also on my iPad watching the Ohio State game. And I'm talking to the guys. I'm like, man, this thing is really compelling. This is going to come down. As Ohio State was driving, I was looking at the clock. I was looking at their timeout. So I'm like, this thing is going to go right down to the last play. I mean, you could see it coming. And, of course, here we are, last play. And, gosh, for Marcus Mm. Freeman to – not be ready for that. And this is this is his, I don't want to say first big moment, this is the biggest moment so far of his young career as a head coach. I remember, Marcus went to Ohio State, played linebacker at Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, this was a big game for him uh, back, you know, the home team. And, you know, that is, that, I mean, somebody needs needs to be checked on that. But, or maybe um, you need to hire him. Maybe it's not a fireable offense. Even maybe it's a hireable offense where you need to hire somebody to help yeah. you manage the game. Like you said, Bucky's dumbass coach, whatever. Like, like Sark, Sark's hired, you know, special assistants. A lot of people say Joe D. Camillus, that's pretty much his role with Sark. Like, hey, Sark, situations. Um, think, keep timeouts in mind. Think about situations. What are the possi- possibilities here? Uh, anticipate what's going to happen. Be ready for these types of you yeah. know, circumstances, that kind of thing. And, you know. And call down to me. And, exactly. I'm on the headset. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's that game. I've never seen it like that, and that's unexplainable. That's a dang coaching mistake like, at a high level. It's like three different mistakes in two plays for the coach, and, it's, and they were all on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would say, um, look, I, I I always think it. I always do this, but I was thinking of it like, well, what if that? What if had it happened here, Rod? Oh. What if Sark had done that? Yeah, it, it, in the it, Oklahoma game. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Well, Marcus Freeman it is his first time being a head coach. I know, I know. Um, and I, but for Sark, it wouldn't be right. It had been his third stop as a head coach, so I think we would have had a shorter leash for Sark. Plus, we're just come on, man. We <laughs> we're, we're a little bit. I think we you are know, a little bit more volatile. You know Notre Dame fans, though. Yeah, they are, but they, I don't know if they're as wild as Texas fans. I don't oh, think they are. They're back. They're boosters. Really? And are they crazy like oh. that too? I don't know them, so I don't know. Like, rich, you know, them. they don't have as many as uh, as Texas does because it's a smaller school. But they are rich and, and they are passionate. And I don't think Notre Dame has as many fan sites as Texas does. Like Texas has good fan sites. I've noticed that. Like you, know, you go to some of the places around the country, you got like two places to go to follow your team that has really good information. Texas has got like six or eight. Somebody, <laughs> an Irish fan, will tell me they have a lot. They have a lot, but I don't know if they have as many as Texas. Well, because they have such Texas a, have a ton. Because like Texas, they have such history, right? It's, it's touchdown Jesus. It's, they uh, do. It's Notre Dame. I mean, it's as and so the fan base is is old and long term and generational, and uh, that is a and Ohio State's a big nemesis. That's one of their eighth meeting all time. Yeah, but they're bordering states, uh, rival recruiting bases. Ohio State's always been the kind of the bigger brand or the, the the big state school versus this little private school with all the championships and history. That's a big. That's a big gaff. It's a big gap. It is. No, you're right about that. He, like I said, it it it's it's bad because it falls on it's it falls on Marcus Freeman. It's not necessarily his fault, but it is his responsibility. You know, that's on the coaches you hired too. He's not doing. He's not micromanaging all those all that stuff. Yeah, no, it's he a staff error. It. It's a it's yes. A, oh, your staff. That means his staff. You know, those guys have fallen short a little bit too. And I, I he's got to he's got to fix that. You got to rectify that immediately. You need to go now. 
put in new uh, protocols and new procedures to make sure this doesn't happen again. Fail safes. Hey, uh, back before the top of the hour, Ty will make his Sex Panther pick of the night. What's popping? We got a lot popping tonight. We got a big, a big What's baseball poppin'? series. We've got obviously two Monday night football games. We got what's popping before the top of the hour, including an idea that I just saw floating. I need to ask you guys if it's popping or not. But first, let's go behind the burn orange curtain one more time, talking Texas Baylor. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? All right, Texas with a huge win over Baylor. We'll start previewing Texas-Kansas actually coming up tomorrow. Um, That's a really interesting matchup because I think it'll be a really good test for the Texas defense. Probably the, uh, the biggest test so far for the Texas defense, even though they played Bama. Bama's offense, uh, a little discombobulated, a little disjointed, no offensive identity, quarterback questions, that kind of stuff. That is not the case with the Kansas Jayhawks. But let's talk about Baylor uh, really quickly. One thing I noticed in the Baylor matchup, and I said this uh, earlier, I actually said it to you guys during the in-game live watch, E, that you did a great job on for on Texas football uh, and in the postgame. Sark was in his bag. Like He was creatively and in terms of uh, just the diversity, the variety within the offense in that Baylor game was inspiring. And I even wondered why he was so deep in his back because Texas was comfortably up. And damn near every con- every concept that Texas deployed and that they used in that game was working. Like they, Baylor really didn't stop them on the ground, really didn't stop them via the air at all. And, I, you know, I track all the personnel groupings and the formations and concepts for Sark. Uh, and I saw Sark use 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21 personnel, which is two backs, one tight end. Remember the first number is always the, the, the number of running backs. Second number, always the number of tight ends. Then you do the math after that. So 11, 12, 21. Uh, he had a 6-0 line package out there. Matter of fact, the first touchdown, the 40-yard touchdown by Jonathan Brooks, 6-0 line package. Yeah. Uh, he broke it out there with the big boys, the big uglies. Targets to motion, saw a lot of empty. As a matter of fact, they were not uh, Quinn Ewers' touchdown run was out of empty formation. They just spread them out and then once Baylor tried to defend everything uh, everything except Quinn Ewers as a runner and they did a good job of that. Uh, he ends up you know, breaking off his longest touchdown run of his career. Uh, saw a double, the double pass which is becoming not, not even an exotic play anymore for Texas. That's like part of their uh, main, main, favorite, their main calls that they use uh, in game planning week to week because we've seen that double pass so much. They've also, the screen package, I think, was on full display for Sark. I saw at least uh, screens of four different players. Both tight ends. Uh, Jay Brooks had a really nice screen that he used. I mean, the screen game for Sark right now is taking is going to a new level, I think, because he has his full complement of weapons to use. And I saw him play where Jay Witt was in the backfield as a fullback, and they, they tried him out, um, and I think it was a flat route on third down, end up getting a 13-yard gain on it. It was a really good play, but Sark didn't need to use it. He just, he was, he was like in the play-calling zone for some reason, and he decided, you know what? Hell, I'm putting Jay Witt in the backfield. It seems like something that you could have saved for future opponents to surprise them with, but I think now Sark is, he, he wants to put all these concepts and these formations and all these personal groupings on full display for future opponents. Um, and here's Sark talking about that versatility of his offense, the multiplicity of his offense, and how it makes them a better overall team. We're at our best when, when the more we can do really well, the tougher we are to defend. And we never want to be a one-dimensional team. We, we want to really be versatile, off- on, versatile on offense, whether it's the style of runs, the personnel groupings, the formations, the motions, the shifts. Uh, and I credit our coaches and I credit our players because we don't we don't go into games with just 
you know, simple, simple game plans and simple formations. We, we tax our guys and because we know it's going to tax our opponents if we, if we execute it right. And uh, they, they do a really good job in their preparation to get ready for the ball game. Um, I felt good this morning in our walkthrough. They were really dialed into to what we wanted to do. But it is helpful when you can use a multitude of personnel groupings and still formation people and, and do different things. Hopefully it, it creates some issues for, for our opponent. And then ultimately we can get back to doing what we do, and, and that's just getting down to execution. Yep. So I think what he's doing a little bit of is he's basically forcing future opponents – to try to decode and translate and decipher his offense, which is really tough to do because it's so expansive and it has so many so much variety in it. And when you're while doing that, you're, you're only allowed a certain amount of hours to practice and meet with your team per week. And essentially, this is a, a campaign of misinformation, forcing opponents to have to, uh, you know, address and decode and decipher all of the concepts and personnel groupings that Sark is going to deploy. And inevitably, that is going to force you to waste time because you're not going to predict accurately how he's going to attack you, exploit you, and what groups and port personnel groupings and formations he's going to deploy. So you're inevitably going to waste your most valuable resource, which is time trying to game plan for things that may never come up. I think Sark calls it game planning for ghosts. We don't game plan for ghosts. Now he's trying to get his opponents to game plan for ghosts. And I well, love it. And you know what's good for Texas in this Kansas matchup is they just had a, had a tough game with BYU. And BYU is a good, disciplined veteran team. So they had to do a lot and show a lot to oh, yeah, so beat we, BYU. Yep. And this is why you hire those analysts, right? The former coaches, the uh, Paul Chris, the uh, Payam Siakin. Um, yep. uh, these are the guys that can be watching Kansas and, and prepping this game plan and having it ready for you when you walk in on Sunday, right? Coach, here's what we've seen. Here's mm-hmm. the tendencies. Here's their weaknesses, strengths. Here's where we can attack them. Here's some things we think we could use. Those things, you know, before you had these front offices and these huge staffs, you know, coaches have to come and start breaking the film on Sunday on the plane mm-hmm. rides home and that kind of stuff. Now it's all done. Yeah, <laughs> that's you're right. all done. That's a good point. And uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that uh, Payam Sadat, I should say. Those are the guys, and you know, that gives you a head start. I'm sure Kansas has some guys like that too. Same time, Texas has the better players. And uh, mm-hmm. how do you put that to work? Uh, so you maximize that 20 hours a week you do get because Texas has to prepare for a very dynamic offense themselves. Yes, they do. On that side of the ball, we come back. What is popping? What's popping? Including the Sex Panther, who had a one and four week. I went five and zero. Oh. So maybe I'll give you a pick tonight. I don't know. I'm not as good as Ty for sure. But we'll come back. It's Ian Rodby. Hook him up. What's popping next? What's popping? Who you? Brand new. The here. pick of the day is brought to you by my bookie. My bookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks when you use promo code Horn. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what that means. Time for uh, the MyBookie uh, top pick of the week for my man Ty. Pick of the day, I should say. Pick of the day for my man Ty. Pick of the day. You got something for him? Monday Night Football. Is this separate from your Sex Panther pick? Are we going to make these separate picks? I mean, we could, we could, we could double up here. It's up to this you. Is it. This, Ty is this is the Sex Panther pick Ty of the day. Decides. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Tampa Bay plus five at home against Philadelphia tonight. I know it might sound like a Homer Cowboys pick, but Baker Baker, moneymaker, has played well through two weeks. He has played well. Uh, Philadelphia's offense hasn't performed up to the standards that they set last year uh, so far this season. So I think I don't think 
Tampa will win, but I think they'll keep it within uh, five points. All right, there you go. And if you uh, you want to you know bet a little bit something on the game yourself, or maybe you want to follow Ty's example for his uh, great prediction there, you can go to mybookie.ag and go place a bet. Plenty of ways for you to win over at mybookie.ag. Uh, and while you're over there, use the promo code HORN, H-O-R-N, and you'll get some uh, some freebies. You'll get some free awesome. 99, uh, that free deposit 99. bonus, and also you'll get a, a chip to use in their uh, MyBookie Casino. So shout out. No doubt about it. That's one of two games tonight. The Rams will play in Cincinnati. Joe Burrow is uh, questionable for this game tonight. They signed A.J. McCarron just so they have an extra quarterback if Joe Burrow can't play tonight. I'd say this. And, Ty, as the person who went 5-0 and last week five in our Friday picks. Thank you, Lake Travis, Florida State, Texas, Maryland, and New England. Um, I would say I agree with you on that. You know why? Because the Eagles' secondary is weak, and they give up a lot of passing yards, and Mike Evans is healthy, Chris Godwin is healthy, and they're good. Mm. Uh, we'll see. But that pass rush, it's ferocious uh, in t- in Philadelphia. So can Tampa Bay contain that if they can? I think there's some plays to be made down the field. But uh, the other part of that is the Eagles offense is really, really good. But it, it's fair to say the Eagles offense is kind of sputtered, right? Kind of sputtered it's, uh, a little just, bit. Yeah, I think Ty's right. It's just not what it was last season. It doesn't look as dominant. Now, they as ran for 260 season. on the Vikings. And, and, and the other thing with the Eagles is they've had 10 days to get ready for this game, having played the Thursday game in Week 2. So I like that. And then the Rams and Bengals, Rams have outperformed the expectation so far. They're 1-1, one and one, but then they won in Seattle, but then they uh, uh, turned around and played the, the 49ers really good to a seven-point game. So we'll see. That's a good game. Uh, that line is two and a half. Uh, man. Um, no, if, you, if Joe Burrow's not playing, I wouldn't touch it. If you don't know if Joe Burrow's playing, I wouldn't touch it. Because even I hurt Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow hasn't completed a pass over 15 yards. Well, this Joe Burrow injury this and the Bengals struggles hey. are killing fantasy owners because, Ooh. you know, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, all these guys are directly impacted by <clears throat> if the other backup quarterback has to come in. We'll see. Uh, and look, I mean, the Buccaneers back on that game, Bucks are, you know, they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I know Tom Brady's not there anymore, but if Baker Mayfield's playing at, at a good level and those weapons are there. They still have speed on defense, and guys like Levante David and uh, you know guys up front, they can mm. still play. So I like these games. It uh, should be interesting. I'll also mention what's popping. Uh, the Astros are not popping. The Astros are disintegrating, mm. Mm. and they mm. play the Mariners tonight. This couldn't these this the Astros were just swept by the Kansas City Royals. I can't say that out loud enough. I know they're 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 a fifty win team, Ron. I mean, the, I mean, they're a 50-win team, and the Astros, all they have to do is beat them. Someone's been texting me, and my you know, my brother texts me all the time talking about they're mad at Dusty Baker. Why? Well, because they're not playing Yiner Diaz and, and Mar- Martin Maldonado bats 175, and Yiner Diaz is up for Rookie of the Year. And he's mm. uh, you know he's he's not as good a catcher as, as Maldonado, but not terrible. He's he's not far away, and he also is a much better hitter. But to me, that's not leading to what I'm watching. I mean, Maldi was their catcher all last year, and they won the World Series. He's great with the pitching staff, but, man, it's just a wholesale failure right now. They're not hitting, and then when they do hit, they don't pitch. Um, you know, it's a mess. I mean, they are – maybe they're <laughs> they all over-trying. I don't know what that is, but they just look like a team that – I mean, all you had to do over the last two weeks was beat Oakland and Kansas City. You'd already have locked up a playoff spot. You wouldn't have to worry about the Mariners tonight and tomorrow night and the next day. You wouldn't have to worry about the Rangers getting hot at the right time. You would have just taken care of your own business by now. Instead, you've fumble farted around with these teams, and now you're five and six <laughs> against the the Royals over two weeks, and you lost two to the A's. So you've lost seven times to those two last place teams, and it may cost you a playoff spot because now you got to play the Mariners. <laughs> and how about this, Rod? They've played ten times this year. The Astros and Mariners. Mariners have won eight. 
The yes. Astros have only averaged 2.7 runs per game in mm. the 10 contests. The not pitching good. staff for Scott Service has had a good game plan against the Astros, and the Astros are not hitting well coming in. Uh, yeah. but they do have Justin Verlander on the mound, but he's been he's... a gopher ball machine of late. Uh, it just It's a weird thing. And again, you said it earlier, uh, that this team has such championship pedigree and, and DNA, yet they're playing with none of it right they're now. They're crumbling in the clutch. Like, Which has been the opposite on of this the line. team. Yeah, exactly. Season on now, the line. Now, if they were to sweep these seven last seven games or six games, they have an off day Thursday. If they were to go 6-0 and oh down the stretch and get themselves in, and then you know we would be saying a whole different thing. And that's how baseball is. Same time, they look listless. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. They just don't look like the Astros that over the last few years that have been a championship contender year in and year out. Frustrating. But it might be time. the end of it, though. Maybe we're at the end of this thing. Right? Is that possible? That they need to uh, re not kind of revamp the Astros a little bit? Well, it just feels like there's a clubhouse problem, and they've never had that with this team. They've never, even through the cheating scandal of seven years ago now, six years ago, you know, they, they stayed together as a team. Dusty Baker was brought in to unite the clubhouse and put he up did. with the, 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 the becoming the villain and all that. And now it's just disappointing. But, no, there's still six games to go. Rangers, props to the Rangers. They play the Angels tonight. They're two and a half up on the Astros now. They're feeling good. They've got magic number talk, and they got to play the Halos this weekend who have mailed in their season as well. Hey, Rod, great stuff. You too, brother. Well, thanks again for the update. False alarm with your baby False on alarm, Friday. False alarm, guys. Thanks for the well wishes, though. When Love you have a doctor's guys. appointment after the show today, so maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yeah, what's going on. Yeah, we're going to learn. They want to see us now to make sure everything's okay. We'll see. All right, All right. keep yeah. us posted. We'll do I it will. on a Tuesday. We've got two Monday night games <laughs> to talk about. The baseball, obviously. Great ties pick. And start talking Texas-Kansas. That's right. Number one, number three against number 24. Both teams 4-0. Longhorns uh, next two opponents currently undefeated and ranked. Critical structure uh, juncture of their season coming. We'll be all over it for five hours a day, five days a week, right here on Ian Rod B. Hook them up. If you miss any part of today's show, go to the podcast page, hornfm.com.